0: Hi, I'm Dr. Drew, and this is Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. And welcome to another Dr. Drew After Dark. I'm very excited today, but before I get to it, remind you guys to keep sending those emails at drdrewafterdark at gmail.com. And the voice messages at 818-253-1693. They're good. We appreciate them, and I'll try to get to as many as I possibly can and uh also check out um uh, the doctor after but the uh, adam and dr drew show the dr drew podcast yeah this life you live and it's all at dr.com so check it out there's a big opium series too where I, I tried to chronicle how we got into this mess we have it up as an audio book as well as uh as a written uh sort of chap by chapter by chapter thing you can take a look at but if you wonder how we got into this mess we chronicle the whole thing there it is my privilege to welcome to the show Yakov Smirnov, Doctor Jakob Smirnov. Thank you, you, Doctor. Thank How you. How are you, sir, Thank Doctor? You. Wonderful, Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell them, tell them what happened. What you've been doing the last couple of years? Oh gosh.
1: Um, so I got interested in psychology of laughter, and uh, I went to University of Pennsylvania and studied with Martin Seligman, which is the father of um, positive psychology and. Um, got my master's degree at UPenn. Decided that there wasn't that was enough. I needed to do more research on laughter after so many years performing. And so I got my doctorate degree at Pepperdine University a couple weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. And my dissertation was called Law of Laughter. And I came up with the formula that I believe is very
0: Powerful. Do you have the magnets? I didn't bring the magnets oh. with me. I have uh, a camera here I, be I, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you did it on the radio, but you but now we have cameras,
1: you didn't do it. I didn't know there were cameras. Uh, That's what it was. But I figured I didn't want to do another thing because you already've see. seen it twice. Yes, I'm yes. going, I d uh, I do
0: don't want to bring props, you know. You know? Fragmented audiences That's... are. This is a group that hasn't seen this. Oh
1: uh, well, next we time. Yeah. Next time but the magnets were actually my way of explaining uh how uh, relationships work and how laughter can be created and it you need to have complementary opposites uh so performer in the audience is the complementary opposite unless you have a heckler then they're adversary opposites mm-hmm. and that's not normally healthy not ideal you know and so um that was number 1 number 2 you need to meet the audience's needs and they need to meet your needs. So there is that complimentary exchange happening. When I tell a joke and they laugh, we're exchanging the currency that is important to us and why we're doing this. And number three, we need to have shared sense of humor. So my humor can go over their heads and, and it, it won't work and or if it's too low around it doesn't work so it needs to be on their level and their understanding of what i'm talking about is paramount to that and that equals laughter so those are three ingredients
0: that complementary opposites needs being met and shared sense of humor and this not just goes into an audience a comedian relationship it goes into romantic relationships Any, yes a, a romantic relationship where i started this Process trying
1: to understand how how does it work because I noticed the correlation between um, the beginning of the relationship and I I thought it was just me but then I start asking my audience and they all remember a lot of laughter in the beginning of the relationship and then later on, laughter kind of fades away but they don't pay attention to it because comedians are trained to listen if there is a nuance that didn't make the joke as good as it should be We register it immediately And next show we will fix that Is that a fixing with the language Or with the rhythm Could be that it's a reference That they didn't get Could be the rhythm Could be a, a, anything Timing yeah. is a big deal yeah. So once in a while you just take a pause For another half a second And it gets a big laugh And then you go okay that's what I'm going to be doing For next Whatever amount of years when I'm going to tell
0: that joke, and and in relationships, is it more spontaneous? What, what's going back for that? I've noticed women very much seek somebody who makes them laugh. Yes, I, I, they men, do. Men do a little bit. I'm not sure they put as much currency in as, as women.
1: They they want to make women laugh. Women's laughter, what men are after, because if we can get them to laugh, we can get them to do a lot of other things. <laughs> so so we go after it and we hear that laughter it makes us you know go well that just reassurance that we're in the right track right to
0: where we want to go and then once there is a relationship your idea of there being a shared humor shared humor could stay because humor doesn't change
1: normally uh your wife and you have the same sense of humor when you met and hopefully for many, many years to come. And and that's built on culture and circumstance and... A lot of elements that go into that, it's level of intelligence, um, there is level of references, there are many different things, but that creates that humor that is shared and when you find that person, you literally, I mean, it's like I tell in my my show, I say that, Dating, you know, people, when you start dating, they say there's plenty of fish in the sea. But also there are sharks and there are piranhas. <laughs> right. And you don't want to end up with crabs. So, so they're there too. Yeah, so you need to find a way. So it's kind of catch and release program. Uh, so you're dating somebody. And the first date, I asked this question over four and a half million people in my uh, theater in Branson, Missouri. And I asked him, how many of you would go on the second date if you didn't have laughter on the first date? And silence, no one. And I'm, I'm saying, do you realize that you were picking your partner based on whether there's laughter or not? If I think they, women will realize it. I don't think men do. I think men, if they didn't get a laugh from a woman
0: they're probably going to be concerned about doing uh, that again i i agree i agree but I'm, I'm not sure they would frame it quite the same way probably yeah. not unless they, somebody asked them to frame it that way. correct yeah. They, yeah they
1: don't necessarily pay attention to exactly. it but they
0: feel it exactly. if it's not there yes. right exactly yeah
1: so you grew up where grew up in the former soviet union where i grew up in odessa on the black sea um it's we're uh, all action. watching
0: um, um, Chernobyl. chernobyl now so Let's talk well, about all, that. That's really? not going to be funny. Yeah, yeah. Because I literally, I, that geography is emblazoned in my head right now because yes, of where the winds yes. were blowing the radiation. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Yeah. I actually went to Chernobyl uh, three years ago yeah. and spent half a day there uh, exploring with the Geiger counter. I was going to
0: say I would not go in
1: there without a Geiger counter. I did have a Geiger counter and a okay. guide who goes there every day so i figure if he doesn't have a third yeah. eye or mm-hmm. some kind mm-hmm. of a strange Lymphoma. thing yeah. yeah then then uh, and it seemed like he's a young guy so he would not jeopardize his virility mm. but who knows yeah. for a buck yeah so i went and i figure, well let's give it a try so the radiation level was in where we were going similar to what it's like in kiev mm-hmm. which is there is radiation all over, but it's just very, very, very small dose. Mm-hmm. If we're in the airplane, it's higher. When you're in the dentist office, obviously they take x-rays, it's higher. So we get enough of that. But if the exposure is too high, then you, you die or you get mm-hmm. sick. Um, so I was very, very careful, but it was fascinating because it was kind of like watching... Um, collapse of the soviet union in slow motion in that city Mm -hmm. because it just they tried to cover everything up they couldn't get away with it Um, they had to admit that this is what happened and then they had to fix it and it probably was the nail in the coffin of the soviet union because it happened in 89 and then the soviet union was gone by 91 wow that's interesting i haven't thought about that yeah
0: and you were gone when
1: I I left in 77. Why'd you guys leave? We, um, I started performing on the cruise ships on the Black Sea.
0: How old were you? I was uh, 24. What was it like growing up in Odessa?
1: It was, um, I mean, I didn't know any better. So we lived in the communal apartment, nine families in one apartment, shared one kitchen, one bathroom for 20 people. And no phone, no car, none of those things. And everybody thought that was normal. That was normal life. And uh, I tell a joke in my show that when my parents wanted to make love, they would send me to look out the window. Because we lived in the same room for 26 (laughs) years. Oh, my God. And, and And then you know, my dad would say, so what do you see in the window? I said, our neighbors making love. (laughs) And he said, how can you tell? Their son
0: looking out at me. That's right, that's right, (laughs) exactly.
1: So I was living in that, but I also, what was beneficial for my comedy, Odessa is still considered the capital of former Soviet Union in humor. Uh, It was a free port before the revolution, And so there was a lot of people from different cultures Mm. came to that city. And somehow they created a lot of humor. Mm. So even in the suppressed environment of the Soviet Union. Belarus? No, this is Ukraine. 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 Um, In the Soviet Union environment where everything. I was a comedian later on. But as a kid, I would just. To memorize a lot of jokes, I wasn't into athletics much. where did you and hear them from friends who you trust? You only. Had no
0: records or anything like that, or no.
1: Well, they had it on the radio like once a week. They would have, um, or maybe twice a month, uh, a specific comedian, uh, Arkady Rykin was his name, and he was very funny, very famous, and so everybody was glued to their radios to hear some humor that was you see, because we're all censored we were censored by the department of jokes this is true there's a department of jokes yes minister of culture of every state in the soviet union had the department of jokes oh my god and it was part of minister of culture so it would be like department of poetry department of humor they had to control every little thing this is what americans don't realize that This political correctness is taking us in a very familiar place to me because once a year I had to submit all my jokes then the government some bureaucrat would have to would go over it and tell me this is not funny this is not funny this is not gonna work and that's how and we had to stay with the script we could not talk about politics government sex and religion the rest they said is fine what's left nothing (laughs) yeah buttons and fish <laughs> and I don't know mother and logic hair color yeah, yeah so that was that was our uh, the restriction that's the environment that brought you know socialism to to the Soviet Union and the rest is history I mean 40 million people dead to get to that place because they had to clear the slate so people who wanted wanted to be politically incorrect
0: they had to be destroyed anybody that had any interesting ideas or anything other than the party line
1: that's it the party line and it was controlled from every angle no religion they destroyed all the churches burned them killed all the priests and and then they um had the state basically giving you the dogma that
0: you're gonna follow and there was no way out it's if the first time i'm hearing this that it sounds to me like almost a religion the way it, the way they were I mean, they created
1: lenin as god yeah. and karl marx uh was the one that originated so moses, put, moses kind yeah. of yeah they put them on the pedestal and i remember Standing in line to Mausoleum's Mausoleum,
0: where he was embalmed, yeah. dead under yeah. glass. Yeah, and
1: I I stood in line for seven hours, and my heart, as I was walking, I still remember that I was probably eighteen years old, because I was going to see God. I mean, that's how they in in embedded it in our heads. And so you went on a cruise ship, yes, to do so comedy. Go to do comedy. And um, uh, that's where I started kind of recognizing something about America because they—they're normally their ships, they were pretty good ships, but they would lease them to like uh, European companies or uh, some Western companies. So somebody will uh, lease them for about nine months, and then they would bring them back, those ships, to refurbish them So during that time, they would go on the Black Sea, and we were not allowed to go outside of the country, but on the Black Sea, I was able to, because I was a comedian and master of ceremonies, they would give me an interpreter, and that's how I would communicate with people from other countries, right? Because I was preparing like an evening, like Miss Cruz or some kind of a talent show, Mm. I needed to communicate with them. Otherwise, in my whole life, i never been exposed to foreigners. And it was forbidden for us to talk to foreigners. If you were talking to a foreigner, you pretty much going to be arrested. That's by, a, by whom? By the KGB. KGB. By, yeah, KGB, the secret police, whoever. Did you assume all other countries were run like this? Of course I did. But I didn't know any better. And on television, they kept saying, you know, they there are two channels. Channel one is propaganda and channel... Two is a KGBO officer tells you to turn back to channel one. <laughs> so you really didn't have much choice. You're just used to it, right? Yeah. So then I go on a cruise. Now, first thing happened as when I got on the cruise, they, they liked the audience like me. And the, I was taking that cruise as kind of an exchange for a vacation. Mm. So it was a week cruise. I did, a, I guess, a good job because they asked me to go back again who
0: were the foreigners on the on the
1: oh there, there was some from yugoslavia czechoslovakia
0: so Poland. How many, how many translators did you have uh, like four or five but so, like, was a, like repeating whatever like with the ear pieces in or uh, i would meet with the group with I their see.
1: interpreter i see and i would share with them what we're doing but it also gave me contact with the people and i could see spark in their eyes that i never seen before This is so bizarre. These people are happy. They're smiling. They're dancing. They're having, they're taking pictures. Soviets are like so suppressed and they're looking around and not, not sure who's going to get them. Hmm. So, and so here is this group. And then some Americans were on the ship and Australians and so. But anyway, what happened is um, when I finished that week, uh, the, um I went to the um, office of the, uh, the official office that hired me to do this. And I said, they're asking me to go again. And I would like to ask if I can bring my parents and get them a cabin. And the guy literally said, get the hell out of here. What do you think? You're indispensable? We have thousands of people like you. You'll never work with this company again. That literally, and I was like, because you
0: asked about the parents.
1: Yeah, weird. Yeah, and so I kind of put my head down the way you know, and I went home and I told my parents it didn't work out, and we were used to that, it would be strange the other way. And so, then about two hours later, the messenger comes because we had no phone, so it was like, messenger comes and gives us two sets of tickets, one for me and one for my parents. And I'm shocked. I'm like going, this never happened. I never heard it happen, that they would go back in their ward and do something like that. So we go on the ship, and I go to a cruise director, and I said, you got to explain this to me. I don't get this. What happened? And he said, well, this ship being leased to a lot of foreign companies, and they're capitalists. And they believe that if the person is more talented, they should be rewarded. So there's how you got, so the captain told the office, the officials, that even if he has to give up his own cabin, he would do that because I would be really good for this cruise. Mm. And I'm like going, wait, 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 slow down. Are you saying that if I'm more talented, in another country, I would have more things, <laughs> like my own bedroom, yeah. uh, a phone. A place for my parents to have sex. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and he goes, yeah, that's what that's what America or that's what other countries do, and that's planted right away. That planted the seed, and then and then I learned that Jimmy Carter made a deal with the soviet uh, government because they were starving they were running out of wheat and so and americans had tons of wheat so we were exchanged basically for wheat and so i see a wonder bread truck every time i salute because you know might have been that what got me out wow and that's we applied for a visa took a long time two years to wait it was a very difficult challenging time but we came to America. With your whole family? Yes. So you got them yeah. all out? Yeah. Well, that were was you, another... Were you migra- immigrating or were you... We, were, kind of, refugees. we, were, we were refugees. 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 But um, here is what's interesting that the Soviets didn't want people out, even though they wanted wheat. Yeah. But they didn't want the rats to leave the ship. Yeah. And so, um, so they made some policies that were very difficult to go around like, for example, if a young person wants to leave, he has to take his parents, hmm. right? Interesting. And that was so most older people didn't want to leave. Right, 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 It just, I was lucky that my dad, being since I was a little kid, he was like, we got to get out of here. We got to oh, get out of here. Really? Yes. Interesting. My mom was scared to death. And so it was like one of those things. And my dad was an inventor, very creative, very... Mm-hmm but mom was in charge and so I was the tiebreaker. Huh. And so when I came from one of this cruises, and I said, we gotta go, we gotta go. My mom, you know, wanted to, you know, kill my dad for putting that thing in my head and- Was she happy when she got over here? Yeah, well, not right away because, you know, she, she was kind of, she didn't speak English. Did I didn't speak either. Russian or Ukrainian? No, we spoke Russian. We knew Ukrainian, yeah. but we spoke Russian. Yeah. And we came here and we didn't speak English. So it was challenging for her. And then it was kind of depressing to her that she used to have a role there. She would go to bread line for several hours. Then she would go to milk line for several hours. And it was normal pattern for the gov- for, for us to have. Here, she said, I come here and I can go in the supermarket and I can buy everything for a week in an hour. And she said, what am I going to do the rest of the time? Wow. And I said, mom, there is DNV. You can go and stand in line <laughs> all day long and then do it again next day and the
0: next day. So she was, she was feeling relieved. <laughs> And when did you realize you had this this potential to do what Americans thought were Russian humor, or, or how do we describe what, what I don't know what your you, career <laughs> became? No, you, I mean uh, you Russian that, comedian. Yes, but, but you saw you played a Russian that Americans thought was a Russian, right? Isn't that sort yeah, of
1: yeah? I I guess I played. I it was me. I was me coming from the Soviet Union. Yeah, the it hit the nerve for Americans yeah. because Americans. I had a headache from the soviet union for 50 years uh with the nuclear weapons and hiding under the desks and like that would help and and then the the, here i come and they were introduced to russia with brezhnev with one eyebrow and you know khrushchev banging on the podium saying we will bury you without any shots fired you know all that and they saw me and they and they, they saw me on national television, and I'm likable, and I'm funny. And Americans kind of went, we're afraid of this? <laughs> Basically, that's what happened. And they embraced me. It was like I was that guy who helped. And then I got a call from the White House uh, after I did Tonight Show, and, and they, they, they said, we'd, we'd like you to go to Washington and perform in front of the bushes
0: wow yeah this is first bush
1: yes yes and i and i'm thinking bush might be performing in in a different environment like you know like um flashing you know <laughs> that's my brain and i go this will get me arrested and and they said no we need to come here to perform in front of president reagan's cabinet oh and I'm thinking, well, it's better than the bushes. <laughs> this way, at least I made it inside, right? <laughs> so I go there, and they introduce me to the president Reagan. And, Reagan. and he immediately, when they said, "This is Yakov the Russian comedian," he immediately he smiled and he said, "Have you heard this joke?" And he tells me a Russian joke he collected. He was collecting them. So I was like, yeah, it's, "So he tells me a joke about the Russian guy who wants to buy a car." And it took forever in those days to buy a car in the Soviet Union. So he goes to a factory and the manager said, put your name on the list, come back in 20 years, pick up the car. The guy said, do I come back in the morning or in the afternoon? And the manager said, what's the difference? 20 years from now, the guy said, the plumber is scheduled to come that morning. So I cracked up. I didn't expect this joke to be so funny. And then it was a small dinner. There was like 18 people at that dinner and were him, you freaking out i was yeah. i totally actually i was freaking out right after that uh. because once he left and nancy left then i my hand started shaking i was like what just happened i what because i spent two hours with him uh telling jokes and everybody else were laughing and they were par- participating in this exchange who was at the table like kissinger and no 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 kissinger wasn't there no it was uh, uh, Baker was the secretary. James oh, Baker. Yeah, and then it was a French, um, pri- uh, not prime minister, but ambassador. Uh, ambassador, and there were several other big dignitaries from the in the cabinet, and so they were laughing. But it was interesting also that night. Um, President Reagan sent a military helicopter uh, to Libya to show off. Gaddafi that we have power and so behind the president for the whole evening stood a marine with the football, which is the, the controls yeah.
0: for the nuclear wait. So this was the night that they
1: attacked Libya, they bombed Libya. They didn't no no no. This was before they, they just sent helicopters first. I see just they just, just sent to to show let but them know. but still it was like watching behind the president this stern-looking marine and I'm trying to tell jokes Oof. and I'm thinking if I bomb he might bomb <laughs> and then then we really I'm going to be well, responsible for this. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But it was when he left. It was like, oh my god, what just happened? This was like, and then and then since then, you know, there was a great relationship. I mean, they would request for me to come to the White House share some jokes. This was like, it was like his secret weapon, really. Yeah. You know, he could tell jokes to the president of Russia and get away with telling him stuff that could he couldn't say otherwise. Like you know? Gorbachev was this? It's, yeah, Gorbachev. Oh when he met with Gorbachev. Did
0: the, the Chernobyl, do you think, adequately portray what it was like there? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Very much so. I believe...
0: It, they did a really good job, except for English
1: accents. Right, everyone had English accents. That was, was weird, too. That was weird. <laughs> but the rest of it was very well produced and, mm-hmm. and accurately documented, in my opinion. Is
0: the city still... Uh, there's no... Yeah, there's Pri- no Pri- one there. Pri- what's it called? Pri- Privyat or something?
1: Yeah, Privyat yeah. is uh, next to Chernobyl. Yeah. Nobody's there. It's. Uh, we were there like ghost town. Yes. We were just two of us walking... I actually filmed some stuff. I can send you.
0: I love can to see put that. that in. Yeah, and, we'll put it up. Yeah, yeah, That'd be great. And so you keep going. You end up with your own theater in Branson. Well, that
1: wasn't that easy. Uh, what, what happened is I was doing very well in Vegas, Atlantic City, Reno, Tahoe, uh, living in Pacific Palisades, two and a half million dollar home. I was could
0: living. You, could
1: you believe it? I mean, I was living American dream, yeah. like high on the hog. I mean, as they can be. And then the Soviet Union collapses, and nobody warns me, right? No phone call saying, "Hey, you should look. You should consider income averaging." You know, <laughs> no, no one, no. And I didn't see the writing on the wall on the Berlin Wall. There's probably Yakov <laughs> Get another job. No. Nothing. So I get I get to, um, uh, and David Letterman has a top 10 list on the night of the collapse of the Soviet Union. I make number one on the list, Yakov Smirnov will be out of work. And I thought it was funny, but six months later, it wasn't, none of my contracts wow. were renewed. And I, for years, I couldn't understand what, why, was I not funny anymore? Well, what happened is I was like the aspirin from a headache. Mm. Once you're done with a headache, you don't need aspirin. Right, right, right. So I was kind of put on a shelf and I couldn't get a job. Literally clubs, even no, no casinos, clubs would not hire me. So I started looking for a place where they did not know that the Soviet Union collapsed that's how i ended up in branson missouri oh oh my gosh they still don't know they still
0: don't know no and i'm not telling did you did you know that that was a region you could head into where people would show up i had no literally i had one of the osmond brothers tell you to
1: show up there actually willie nelson willie nelson willie nelson did between smoking between the pops, is right. Not, which is Very, rare, rare yeah. to catch a breath <laughs> exactly. exactly exactly so i he invited me um because my agent was like going i don't have any work for you but willie nelson has this farm eight concert and he would like you to be a co-host so maybe you should go there and i oh. said well i don't have any other place to go yeah, i'll go not? there and I'm thinking who would know me in Ames, Iowa? You know, nobody would know me in Ames, Iowa. And I, and Willie Nelson introduces me, 40,000 people in the in stadium. And they, he introduced me and they gave me standing ovation. Oh. I'm like, you serious? This is, and mm. I, I couldn't believe it. So I guess television helped. Yeah. And so I told them, You know, I said, I know nothing about farming. You know, I had one experience on a farm in America. The guy played practical joke on me. He let me milk his bull. (laughs) And I learned something. You milk this animal once, you have a friend for life. (laughs) (laughs) And they just loved it. And so that's, and then after the, uh, the Farm Aid concert, uh, Willie um, invited me to his trailer, and I I just have to like go. Whoo. Yeah, there yeah, is, yeah, yeah.
0: And he goes. It's that that trailer he took all over the country.
1: Probably, same yeah, yeah, same one. Yeah. yeah. And so he was saying, "Hey, kid, I think you'll do well in Branson." Wow. He was in Branson during that time, and they didn't really care for him because he smokes, and uh. he wasn't signing autographs, and he was just kind of a rebel for that community. Uh. And, but he said, but I think you'll fit right in. And I did. And how long were you there great. for? Huh? How long were you there for? 20 years. Wow. Yeah.
0: And then, then you left it?
1: Or I actually still own the theater. It's a 2000 seat theater. Um, there's other entertainers like Acrobats of China, other. But, but mm-hmm. what, what led to you going to get the PhD and the master's? I started with my divorce. I needed to figure out what happened because, and, and then I noticed the correlation between laughter and happiness and relationship, how laughter can be a gauge. And if people could get this, please listen for laughter in your relationship because Laughter is the first thing that happens when you meet someone on the first date. And I, I have pretty good sample of four and a half million people agreeing to that, mm. right? So second thing happens is intimacy. Third thing, you move together, you live together. And then when things don't go well, laughter is the first thing to go. Mm. Second thing is intimacy. Third is your house. <laughs> So, so so pay attention so watch, watch to, it uh, the laughter stamp exactly Things exactly perfect. it's like a finger test for your prostate you know you need yeah. that not that you
0: enjoy it but <laughs> maybe bad. it's more maybe. Like, it's more like checking the stool for blood after the prostate test <laughs> i think it's a little closer but it's, it's the right zone now back to the show well um so with that in mind we're going to show you some videos and we'll see if we'll get some mirth going here okay okay and we have some uh, kind of serious questions and we'll we'll get to those okay two. so first and these guys in the in the peanut gallery will in the back room here they were laughing at yes nadal he will have something to say about this don't okay okay yeah so um
2: so this was a hiker that got rescued 74 um, years old yeah 74 year old woman uh-huh. um, so she got rescued by this helicopter and so, um, you know, this starts to kind of spin out of control, and uh, we'll see how You're it goes. Funny. No pun
0: intended, You're right? Funny. So she's coming up in that uh, basket. Oh spin. my, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to get this, the, the Stabilized, yes. yes. Definitely passed out by now. this <laughs> so thing she's passed out <laughs> with the, And it goes, and goes, and goes, and goes. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's a, like something an astronaut would have to go through. Take off. Good.
2: 74. Did she
1: survive this whole thing? She did. Uh, yeah. I guess. T- that
2: slow, slow that down. So, allegedly, she arrived at the hospital in stable condition. And, and not only
0: that, said it wasn't that bad. Huh. So, it was like so a she Disney, been, she Disney be, World Right. She must yeah. have been laughing. <laughs> it must have been mirth that got her through there. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I would have thought it would have, uh, for an 84-year-old, you would have think the, the I mean, it's a centrifugal it's force, right? Oh, wow! yeah. So it's going yeah. out. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe she's closer to the center than we realize. That looks terrible. <laughs> well, it's probably, she was lost, right? Yes.
1: So this probably was better.
0: Yes, than, it was better. Than dead. Than dead in the, yeah. in the desert. exactly. There with cactuses, Yeah. cactuses. Yeah, yeah. Cacti. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay well that's a little video to warm us up with let's get some uh, voice messages in here so these are people just asking us questions i never know what they're okay. gonna throw at me, okay so. okay if you've got any of a psychological no- nature that would be good for yakov too so here we go and i'll do the other ones here we go i saw him hesitate on this one so it scares me oh hey dr drew this is bo from kansas hey bo i was wondering if you could maybe tell me what's wrong
2: with my mom i know it's- lot harder than that but um, my mom when she gets upset at me she goes back to past issues with my dad and my dad's side of the family and she always resorts to saying that she's going to kill herself or she wishes she was dead and stuff like that and then
1: was she, uh, picked, the up, was she, she picked up Was she picked by a helicopter by chance? <laughs> <Was> she
0: spun <laughs> By a helicopter, more importantly? Yes, good question. Like that, and then uh, the next day she's completely fine, and then
2: one little thing will happen, like me posting a picture of my dad and grandpa for Father's Day will trigger her, and she goes back to living in the past and saying that she wants to die again. Uh, Really need your help here, Dr. Drew. She's driving me crazy. Thank you. All right, that's a great question.
0: That's a very serious question, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she has and you studied psychology. Mm-hmm. So she has some pain left over from that relationship loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a living representation of that whatever it is she lost, right? Mm-hmm. So she gets triggered. She has an un, she's unstable emotionally, so she's triggered easily and she has sort of a I think about sort of a borderline kind of process, mm-hmm. you know, where people have these very unstable Identities and they can just collapse into these heavy emotions yes. and become very self-destructive in those sure. moments. So there's something you know, of a personality that may go, maybe going on with her, but ultimately it's about loss, wouldn't you say? And she's not really properly come it, to terms with it. It sounds like it. I yeah. like when my um,
1: dad passed away. I moved my mom. They, she they lived here in in Los Angeles, and uh, I moved my mom to branson so she can have some laughter in her life some happiness and be next to me and the her grandkids you were this before you you were already thinking about laughter as a therapeutic thing well i always probably did <laughs> but it, this was just because it's my family and it's somebody and i always paid attention to my parents laughing when they were laughing the balance was there very good balance was there so when dad passed away, I knew that I needed to take on that role to balance my mom out. And she was really depressed because her uh, she wanted to be next to my dad. And he was in Los Angeles, she was in Branson. And so um, after about a year of her kind of grieving and saying, let's go back, I wanna, I wanna visit his grave, I said, mom, here's what I think we should do. We should bring dad Here. to Branson. Yeah. He won't care,
0: yeah.
1: right? So right. that way you can go visit him once a week or whenever you want to, and he'll be right here. So that's what we did. Wow. We moved, yeah. So Was he this, like
0: a like a mausoleum kind of thing, or was he in the ground?
1: In the ground, Oof. yeah, yeah, in the ground. And uh, so I sent uh, people from Branson from the cemetery. They knew what they were doing, and they brought the body there, and we reburied him, and... Did the uh, ceremony and planted a tree. So she she was for years. She would go there and sit under the tree, and it was mm-hmm. kind of comforting for her. So perhaps maybe something I I'm still looking at the formula for laughter is meeting the other person's need. If you can identify what her needs are, because sometimes she just now keep, back to
0: the mom here. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and sometimes, you know, we just feel <laughs> they drive me crazy. That's the, but what is her need? Because for my parents, they were driving me crazy when we came to America. They don't speak English, they don't know. And so I literally had to think when my career started taking off, I bought an apartment building uh, on Dohenian Pico. And the reason I did that, because they could collect rents Have my dad could fix purpose. exactly yeah. purpose yeah.
0: and that gave them at least probably 10 extra years so so if we were guessing we don't know this woman right it, purpose is an important thing very meaning, much meaning so. purpose yes um
1: you're lost without it yeah so the needs i uh, and maybe with this awareness the gentleman can start kind of paying attention okay. to what are the needs
0: that right. that need fair enough what else you got
2: hi guys this is chris from westchester new york let me start by saying that although i am a mommy by day i am definitely a daddy after dark
0: right oh listen oh stop there i I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt i mean that's what i'm talking about huh all right daddy after dark there you go wow okay (laughs) or it should be dad after dark right or daddy no daddy daddy or daddy. yeah
2: Hi, guys, this is Chris from Westchester, New York. Let me start by saying that although I am a mommy by day, I am definitely a daddy after dark. Nice. And speaking of daddies, my double D slut wife is entering her third trimester with our first kid, who's a boy, and the topic of circumcision came up. And I am circumcised, but I think the procedure is archaic and pointless. And she goes with the hygiene argument. But honestly, I think she just doesn't want to peel back the foreskin when washing. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts one way or the other. Uh, thank you very much.
0: Bye. Yakov, do you want to answer that? I can, uh, I've, got, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> i got a bunch <laughs> to say. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, did, the Soviet, t- did the Soviet <laughs> government allow circumcision? They did not, did but, not allow but it. some
1: people did it anyway. Mm. So, yeah um no they did not mm-hmm. yeah even if uh, no mm. there was no no heritage no right. so, so yeah um however i i kind of tried to figure this out why what's the significance of that mm-hmm. and one of the um interesting piece of literature there was a book i don't want to butcher it i think it was money power and sex or something like that written by a surgeon um, and he, his theory was that um, the circumcision started uh, with um, the Jewish women liking circumcised penis because it was um, in, the, in your pants getting roughed up so they would not be as sensitive and not orgasm as quickly as easily that's interesting.
0: Right. interesting idea. so so again this is just well let me let me give a couple of pieces yeah. um worldwide it is considered a a very important intervention for prevention of aids herpes stds warts and penile cancer and cervical cancer so there's an international push to get lots more circumcision done because the 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 men that are circumcised less likely to, particularly to get HIV and HPV. And when you don't have access to other preventative measures, that is something that you can do that it materially affects the transmission of these sometimes life-threatening sexually transmitted diseases. So the Centers for Disease Control and the, the various giant health organizations massively pushing for this internationally. Secondly, there's something called phimosis, which you have never seen. And phimosis is extremely unpleasant I thank God I was circumcised by my parents. Phimosis is a narrowing of the of the prepuce of the of the skin in front of the penis. It's, it, it's very common, and if a slight tear in it causes scarring, and then it scars more, and the head of the penis cannot get through, and that is extremely problematic. That is the the leading here. going to show pictures right here. The leading cause for the need. this phimosis there on the. Mm. Uh, Leading cause for the need for circumcision is adulthood, and it is no fun. Then the only way, if you see, the only way to get the pe- the head of the penis out is to tear the the prepuce, and it's just a mess. It's a total mess, and these are very common, and so avoiding all that to me seems like massively important, and, uh, and adult circumcision is not fun. Right. And childhood circumcision, it's done with anesthesia. Child doesn't feel a thing. They're not even racked anymore the way they anesthetize things. So... Come on now.
1: When you said that this is going to be traumatizing. This whole I experience. <laughs>
0: That's right. Watch out for your phimosis. <laughs> don't want you getting any phimosis because the Soviets were <laughs> <That's> so difficult <laughs> with you. you. Got any other voice messages there for us?
2: What's up? This is Lenny. I don't know if balls are supposed to be this sensitive, but
0: man, <laughs> the
2: term when chicks say don't, you know, in those porn videos, don't leave out the balls. Don't forget the balls. You can leave mine out because... I don't know, man. I got something going where <laughs> it's not even slightly enjoyable. The chicks, you know, touch them a little too aggressively. Even just a little bit is just too too much. So I feel for you. I don't know. I I've do checked too. them out. I definitely have, uh, you know, some kind of lump on both sides. But I think that just might be the epididymis. Might the be. The only reason yep. I know that is because I ripped mine off when I was younger. What? All the way. So I was just wondering. You I want to hear really that ch- story.
0: He ripped off his epididymis. That mean, he had to tear his testy out of the scrotum and tear off the top part of it. Oh, man. Wow. That's that's the kind of thing. What? Getting, I don't know if he's going to tell us or not, but it's the kind of thing people get from, like, falling on their bike uh, handlebars and things like that.
1: Yeah, or yeah. firecracker accident no, or something. No, no, it's really,
0: it's, it's like you had to come down hard. Ah, hard. got it. Go so ahead. I was just
2: wondering, you know, I feel the string that goes down connects to each ball, but it's really, really sensitive, almost painful. So I'm just curious as to if this is normal or if I should get up my doctor. So thank
0: uh, you. It's okay. I'm guessing it has something to do with the residual trauma from you <laughs> tearing off your epididymis, which is extraordinary. Um, I, on Loveline love line once, a guy called in and said that he had a bike accident and he rode behind a, um, like a big billboard and he, there was blood and he looked in and his testicle had fallen out of the scrotum, pushed it back in and um went about his business didn't want to tell his parents he was too afraid this is the male brain wow it'll wow. get better if it doesn't yeah nobody me. will know if, yeah it yeah, doesn't nobody. kill me, it's like right. chernobyl right <laughs> <It's> chernobyl <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Is, that was absolutely his personal chernobyl for sure that was chernobyl so um so anyway i i, I would advise you get that looked at just because you have had surgery and you're having sensitivity and stuff like that but a lot of guys are very sensitive so good on you all right, so I'm going to read this one about healthier relationships. I have no idea what... Okay, yeah. okay. Longtime fan, excited you teamed up with YMH, uh, Taste of Loveland again, which is this show. Don't know what you did right to deserve cool guys like you and Tom. I was raised uh, by a single mother, I have a history of addiction and mental illness in my family, uh, bipolar disorder. Lucky for me, I have no interest in drugs or alcohol, so he didn't get the gene. The only mental illness I suffer from is high-functioning, generalizing anxiety. However, more noticeably, I've got some attachment issues to work on here. Um, been trying to grow out of codependent people pleasing habits right i often find myself in abusive relationships with narcissists mm-hmm. interesting mm. give all my time and money and affection waiting on these men this is a woman i'm super independent when it comes to work and money but there's something missing that keeps me with these men that just use and abuse me and mm-hmm. advice okay so um Probably she had a narcissistic parent Mm -hmm. and probably dad. Mm -hmm. And that has her sort of love map is the attachment to somebody like that. And um, you can do two things, in my humble opinion. One is to whenever you are super attracted to a guy, we're we're perfect instruments with our attractions, our our attractions are just absolutely perfect. If you have a trauma in your childhood and it puts you into a pattern of repeating that trauma with your relationships, you'll do it every time we're perfect. And it causes us to be attracted to these people. And so what we always tell people is if you feel lightning bolts, that's another narcissist. I don't know. I don't care if it's a narcissist that doesn't look like a narcissist. If you feel lightning bolts and that's been your pattern, what we just read here, it's another one. Think butterflies, not lightning bolts. In other words, go for guys that are not quite so alluring. They'll still be kind of narcissistic, but they may not be that that brand of narcissist that is abusive to you, which is what you seem to have intense attraction for. This is really kind of love addiction, also. You might want to read. She's a reader. Might want to read Pia Melody's book, Overcoming Love Addiction. I think it's called. That would also help you. Uh, I know you read. She said in here that she read Codependent No More, but what we'd recommend for you is therapy because therapy then changes, the attachment changes, your relationship in the therapeutic process. So you then, then take that out into the world and you're not so bound by these narcissistic folks. How's that sound?
1: Sounds good. I have an idea also that I I think it's accurate what you're describing. Um, and I also see that most people are unaware. there are three kinds of relationships there's dependent relationship which seems Mm -hmm. like what she's attracting Mm -hmm. there's independent relationship excuse me um that kind of a new model that two people are earning a good living and they're living together and the challenge is this in the co-dependent relationship there is a lot of polarity sexual polarity even though It's painful in the end, but it's sexual polarity. Um, That movie was sleeping with an enemy. You know that kind of a um, drama. Intensity. Yes, yes, and so so. What, in my opinion, what was happening? That was an old model of the relationship, and then starting in the 1940s, women said, "No more of this." We uh, and they were able to go to work during the time when the war was there and they were appreciated and they acknowledged and, and they felt empowered. So when men came back, they wanted to go back to that codependent relationship and women chose not to most, a lot of women didn't. Mm-hmm. And so then it created that independent relationship and in that scenario what happens, the sexual polarity is very low they're not attracted to one another. They're more like roommates. They could be good business partners, Mm -hmm. but they're not really uh, at each other with passion. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there's a third stage, which is where I was taking my dissertation, is uh, that law of laughter indicates that when you are independent, you can't get into that being codependent and jump over, and I call it co-supportive. And this is when both people understand the needs of the other person and they're willing to meet their needs. At that point, you become complementary opposites and then sense of humor creates the laughter. So just another opportunity to be aware that just because you're attracting that doesn't mean that there is no other model. It's just we're not aware of that. Mutuality.
0: Let's do one more voicemail. What's up, Dr. Drew? This is Marcus. Marcus. And uh, just calling to see if
2: um, you get diarrhea when you smoke too much nicotine.
0: Nicotine? I hate
2: only nicotine, really. Huh. I don't smoke cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, I get some pretty gnarly diarrhea. So.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the nicotine dose can be pretty high, and it's a stimulant. So we, they used to use nicotine. They used caffeine as a laxative back in the day, and I'm sure nicotine did the same thing. So, yeah, that makes sense. Why don't you back off? Come on, man. <laughs> Did you see the commercials where it says nicotine is poison? It can kill you? Yeah, yeah. well, it won't do that. No. And nic- nicotine, the people confuse tobacco and nicotine. Oh. Tobacco oh. is what kills you. The nicotine in ah. the vape is not that big a deal. Ah. But, but developmentally, it might have some effects we don't know about yet. We're still trying to figure that out. But there's all this moral outrage because, oh my God, we found a way around tobacco mm. with nicotine. And people spend their whole life on nicotine gum and it's it,
1: okay it's fine huh? interesting well i, wa- I wonder if you getting circumcision while you're
0: smoking vaping and, yeah and yeah, having diarrhea i don't think yeah, that's a good combination no. it's just guessing and just a thought so where can people see you what what do you want people to know where i i want
1: uh, here is here is what my social media people saying that you need to get more followers on Twitter. Now, okay. I left the Soviet Union because I didn't want to be followed, no, right? No, I get that, Yeah, I didn't. Yes. And now I'm saying, please follow
0: me. Yes. It's Yaakov <laughs> underscore Smirnov on Twitter. There you go. There you go. Please I follow did. Yakov. You won't be sorry. And <laughs> you're putting up jokes there? You're going to keep me entertained? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. I don't think I'm following you. Let me see. Am I? Right now, I'm going to make an effort.
1: Yes, Yaakov underscore exactly. Smirnov
0: at at let's get this Jacob. there it is follow this is you right
1: yeah alright yeah awesome still with yeah, the flags one, all over I the place I got one follower yay <laughs> done <laughs> what a country
0: alright <laughs> yes all right, my friend. Uh, and where else? Give me any other place. Uh, yakov at yankov.com Is there any, uh, any touring or anything? Or yeah, yeah. Or?
1: I'm going to be in Branson uh, July 4th through July thirteenth And then again, back at my theater in Branson on uh, October 14th through uh, December 10th. I, otherwise, you're out like here. I'm here, yeah, I'm sure. doing comedy store regularly and on Friday nights. Oh, I great. do it just to keep in shape, yeah. and uh, I do some touring, but not a lot so i'm if I was studying, I was getting I my doctorate degree, I so know. now i'm I'm kind of interested in doing more uh lectures uh on the socialism I call it ghost of socialism, past, present, and future. ooh yeah. And I'm doing one first one uh, this um, Wednesday uh, at Santa Monica College. Um, 100 people in uh, You should you know. record it. Yeah, I as will a, as a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I will. I uh, definitely. I would love to listen to that. It it will be happening, and, and there's a lot of interest about this because I'm in a unique position that I live there, and when
0: I watch yeah. like Chernobyl, I go, I know what happened. And the craziness is everyone today goes, oh, we'll do it differently. No. That's that's always what history has taught us.
1: People say that. Because it's human nature we're going to. uh, Because when you have um, group think happening, which is a lot of this political correctness is heading that way. And then the Twitter and the Facebook, they become like, it's like a mob. Mobs, yeah. Mob. It is mob. And mob, when it's organized the right way, which was not... It's a wrong way, really, but Lenin did it and then Stalin did it and they organized them up. The same people who were fighting for betterment of people in Russia were turning into being murderers, murderers and killing millions and millions of people. And it's always in the name of the betterment of human race. And,
0: it, you know, then the the what's the word the balance well no what the hegel always talked about the ant antithesis was a synthesis antithesis sort of conflict was labor and and uh management right that was yes, sort of their yes control now it is white empowerment versus everybody else and, and so we've left the we've left the labor management diathesis behind but diathesis. it's the
1: same thing it's that one percent that there are people who are not uh, putting maybe as much energy in creating that wealth. They're looking at these people who are rich and they're saying, we want to share this. We want to get that, Mm -hmm. right? And those people who have the wealth are saying, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, those are that's our money and you know and so the only way to do it you have to the
0: same thing that was going on in russia right
1: that's what happened the czars had all the power and the money and then the people didn't have anything and then when lenin organized them and got from germany weapons they destroyed the czars they destroyed the country for years and anybody who had a little bit more we're talking about if these people had a piece of land with a pig on it or whatever, they were the bourgeois, they were supposed to be killed by people who didn't have that. Right. And that's how it spread. How how could it be done right? I think that this society is the best so far in terms of keeping that balance of left, keeping the right from going too far and destroying all the environment and... And uh, global uh, warming, warming and all of that, and then the right is there to say, "Guys, you're going, you're you're gonna kill us." It's like driving on this um, cliff where you have on one side and the other side abyss, and and this could happen on either side. So having keep the balance, keep the saying. balance. Is that that's be the point what, of your talk? Pretty much so. Pretty much so because you you can. This country, it just, we stop talking to each other. Mm. And because there is no conversation, we can't find a rational way to say, okay, how do we really solve this productively? So maybe people should be retrained there. Everybody's worried about the truck drivers that are not going to have jobs. Well, this is the time to think about this. How can we retrain them so they can be productive, creative people, which made America what it used to be uh, is a producer and then we became consumers and the only people going can produce is Chinese. Mm.
0: Well, we'll look for that socialism, past, present, and future. Yes, and I thank you for being here, my friend. My pleasure, and uh, we'll see you again soon. And we all thank you as well. I didn't thought we we're gonna, didn't know we we're going to get into politics, but here we are. Why not? It's after dark. Ah, uh, wait, but it was right after circumcision. So yeah, it's you're fine. right. It's yes. after yes. phimosis yeah. and socialism. Yeah, somehow socialism, phimosis, are are serving the same <laughs> same, same breath. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs>